Stage management back on comm. Backstage? Are you here? Go for backstage. Hey, so... I don't know why the heck everyone was signed in. But we are definitely missing someone. So I looked at those Instagram posts, and they are... concerning. But we can't really do anything about that right now. I've asked house management to call the authorities to look into them, and I'm waiting for a text that... Okay. We've got a plan to cover for the situation. Can you gather everyone in the green room? I'm on my way back to explain the new plan. Stage management, going off comm. When we last left our cell, they had encountered some very strange individuals. Rowan and Regan met up with some of Johann Wieck's friends. River and Ross visited a theater that wasn't really there, but was there. Or was it? And also a hotel that was in maybe a different time and space. They conferenced to each other and decided that they were going to take up the opportunity to go to the open mic night at the theater. Rowan and Reagan headed east across the city and are meeting up with River and Ross. River and Ross are sitting in a small coffee shop, just a little bit down the road from the theater. It's a quaint little place called Mugs and Kisses. It's fairly new. Uh, it looks like they've got a few locations throughout the city itself. The barista is a extremely tall and skinny man who is almost creepy-like, if not for his giant smile and a big name tag the size of his hand, named Filbert. That guy's nuts. Ross, you're carrying the coffees back to the table, and you see Rowan and Regan come through the door. I'll uh, wave them over. This is a nice spot. I don't think I've run across this one before. Yeah, it's nice. Coffee's not bad either. I like it. Um, I have ordered four coffees, and I don't remember what everyone drinks, so Ross doesn't either. So Perfect. <laughs> he knows probably Reagan's order, but that's probably about it. Nothing wrong with a good drip coffee, if it is indeed a good drip coffee. Yeah, this he is, probably this got... Is the, this is the true test. And and yeah. River and River doesn't know Rowan's order because Rooster always got the coffee. That's true. Yeah, so River probably ordered whatever he wanted. Ross ordered whatever they wanted, and whatever Reagan would want, and then got guessed for Rowan. What did they What did they guess for Rowan? Uh, I'm curious. I think, <laughs> I think he would have just gotten like a black coffee with room, and then not put any cream and sugar in it, and then pointed out where the cream and sugar station was. When right. Rowan arrived, she'll take the lid off and take a deep smell, and then a little bit of a sip. Like, hmm, this doesn't actually need much. Go and put a little bit of sugar and a little bit of cream in, just enough to change the color slightly, and then come and sit down at the table. So you two look a little, um, well, like you've seen things you shouldn't. Well, we kind of took a little side trip. How far of a side trip? Oh, just to the hotel. Oh. Yeah, uh, it's it's not actually in San Francisco. It, I mean, the entrance is in San Francisco, but when you get inside, it's it's someplace else. Yeah, I'm trying not like, to think about it. 
You mean like it's on the border of another city? Or what do you mean? Like when we looked out the window, it was not San Francisco. Like you couldn't see the street we were just on. Yeah, in fact, the uh, where the window was is like where the elevator actually is. Was this hotel built by Escher? Like, what do you what do you mean? What I was don't outside? Know. It's I I don't. I we'll have to get the file on Escher to find out that. But um... <laughs> honestly, as soon as I realized there was something going on, I kind of got out of there. I just like got downstairs. Um, but any doubt that I had that this was actually something that they needed Delta Green for is completely gone. Let me introduce you to the idea of interdimensional spaces. Haven't we already kind of played with those with our 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 fuzzy friend that got trapped? Reagan's eyes glaze over. <laughs> Ross's eyes are already glazed over. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, these could be, you know, smaller than an atom or as big as the whole universe. That narrows it down. No, it doesn't. I was being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I've I've looked on the I, I've looked on electronic maps. The hotel and the theater aren't there, according to that. But you were able to see it. You were able to yeah. go into it. We met the, one of the front desk workers at the hotel. We met one of the people that works at the theater. Yeah. Um, now, now, we were able to see it. The homeless guy sitting outside, he couldn't see it. Interesting. I don't much like what that might mean. Yeah. So, locals aren't necessarily aware of it either. Right. I mean, some could, but I don't know what that means that this random guy didn't see it but we can oh and the guy that worked at the theater he saw something on my forehead and I don't know if you remember Rowan oh yes yeah I mean I immediately look at their forehead and then pull my glasses down my nose and push them back up to see if that symbol is there that I can see nothing is visible to your eye that is a roundabout way of saying that and I don't trust that at all Looks clear. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I can't see anything, and I could back in the desert. That doesn't mean it's not there. Right, and it could just be... It's not like a physical mark. It's... I I don't know. I'm trying not... I don't know. Yeah. Well, for dealing with dimensions, it might not be visible here, but it could be visible somewhere else. That's a good point. I'll try to remember to look again when... We go to this open mic night. Oh man. Which part are you oh manning there? <laughs> I it's just uh, we're going to an open mic night in, you know, a little pocket reality or something. And that's just you know, I was just thinking be a fun little mic night. I don't know why. That was my bad. I wasn't really processing the whole oh, situation. Like we're in we're in the city, let's go to an open mic night while we're here on a case. Well, yes, I assumed it was a perfectly normal, like, oh, we found the theater, actually, they're doing stuff tonight, we can just, like, sit and see what happens, but you kind of already have a, like, big red flag on whatever we might find if we go and sit and find out what happens. Oh, just the one red flag. Dang. 
It's a very large flag. <laughs> well, this fair. This is San Francisco. Is is other dimensions even the weirdest thing that happens in San Francisco theater? You're not wrong. Touche. Ross takes a sip of their drink. Uh huh. So, but on that question of just who who can see this thing, I, it, it occurred to me, Reagan, you're pretty good with the social media, right? Yeah. You think you could you could do a search and see if like anybody has mentioned the Chambers Hotel or the uh, the theater, which I also forgot the name of. Uh, yeah. Let me double check because I did I did look up everybody that we were sort of looking for. I don't remember what, if anything, was up about the venues. So Reagan's gonna go ahead and pull Access out her and phone and theater. Yeah. Well, right, but do we also want to look at the, um, whatever it is that other people see? Some people see the theater, some people see some other building facade? Yeah, grocery store. Okay. I I think it might be valuable to look up both, just in case. Yeah, and Rowan will pull out her phone and look at, like, the street view to get the name of the grocery store that's on that corner. The Princess's Market. With that search... You find the name of the owner of the Princess's Market is R. Camilla, and finding any information about them proves to be difficult. It seems though that it might be an LLC, you're not able to track down what the first name is. Most of the general paperwork that you're able to find on the location, even using some of your FBI magic, kind of leads to a bit of a roundabout circle, so I wouldn't even say that it's it's a dead end, it just rounds back into itself. It's a, how do you pronounce that, Ouroboros? Yeah, Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. So you find that the Axis and, and Egress Theater was an entity in the late 60s throughout the, ni- the early 1980s. It closed in its final showing in 1983. A couple small black box things some strange one-person shows. It has ties to a few up-and-coming producers and uh, directors and writers. They would take nearly any show that could possibly get a, you know, get a decent audience. It had a, a medium capacity. You could fit maybe 200 people in there if they were squished in real tight. There was a, a balcony at one time. You see a couple photos from the late 70s. Um, there were some times when discos were thrown in there, and uh, some of the wildlife and uh, time was there. The Chambers Hotel had the same time window, and it seemed to have uh, gone out of business and was converted into apartment homes. Did we get a name on anyone that was going to be performing at the stand-up? No. The only thing that you were told was that there was going to be a nationally touring act that would be there, that would be the headliner so this um theater and hotel do they exist on literal social media or is that just internet trolling is that a wiki or something it was through a couple old blogs a couple history blogs there is no social media presence uh at least any there is one for the theater the a and e theater but it's pretty blank there's been no posts by the creator or the owner, ever. When was it created? Uh, when you look at it, it was created around 2006. 
Whoa. Early bird. Okay. So you don't find a lot of information on those online, per se. Some of the pictures of the, air, of the venue, it seems fairly nice for a independent theater. And some of the pictures from the hotel don't seem to be... They seem to have catered to the folks that worked on an hourly basis. Ah. Do the pictures that we find match what we saw? They're close, though the, what you saw was much more modern. When you say that, do you mean that the basic structure of the hotel was the same, but the furnishings are more modern, or it looks the yes. same, but like just slightly more? Okay. It looks the same, but it looks like it's though it's been modernized. Um, you did see that the, the desk had a small flat screen monitor. Well, and, and the person at the desk said that they took bookings through an app. Yeah. I'm going to search for that app. If you brick your phone again... <sighs> it's inevitable. Pretty much. You find the app. I will not install it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's smart. Um, I'll take down the name of the app, and you don't have to come up with it now if you don't want to. But do a uh, search on it and look at the reviews on, like, Google Play or... You don't find it. I don't find it. No. And for some reason, the name doesn't stick in your head. It seems to be unpronounceable by your futile tongue or mind. Huh. Yuck. Okay, so... I'm just going to come out and say it. This is the weirdest of the cases I think that we have directly interacted with. I think the closest might be what we saw of River in the Bunker. Well, yeah, I... In some ways, I think the library might be weirder, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, for 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 absolute alienness, yeah, that bunker was. Uh, well, and also that the bunker was connected to the chroniclers, probably, certainly, almost. So. So so, you couldn't find the app. Nope, and I cannot remember the name of it. And you know, I have a pretty good memory. I can't hang on to it. I wonder if you can see the hotel. That's a very good question, and I would really like the answer to that. Well, might as well head down there now. Yeah. Maybe scope out the place before we head back for the stand-up. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to go traveling across time and space, we should get dinner first. Definitely. Standard operating procedure. Yeah, well, you know. Dinner before interdimensional travel. So you head outside... The streets are busy. There's a lot of transient folks and unhomed folks outside. It's picked up. There are more than there were earlier. When you make it to the corner, you see that there is a entrance for the A&E Theater with a, with a small sign that says Access and Egress Theater. And uh, underneath it, in a small billboard, it says Open Mic Stand-Up Comedy. I would love to look up on social media the headliner, if there's any mention of a show tonight. There is nothing on social media about this place. I mean, the 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 comic, the comedian. There is no com there is no comic listed. Oh, there's no names listed. Oh. No names listed. It's just listed as open mic night. It's weird if they Ross will say this out loud. That seems odd that they have a supposed headliner nationally recognized and they don't have the name on the poster. 
Well, if they're here to test out new material, they might not actually want to be advertised. That's fair. That makes sense. Here's the $100,000 question. Can Reagan and I see the hotel and the theater? Absolutely. What are you talking about? Why wouldn't you be able to see it? It's right there. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Well, that answers, that answers one question, at least. So I can't hang on to the app, but I can see this. That's something. We'll try it now. Oh, the app? See if you can find it now. So the Cardinal Woods booking app is, is available to you. Uh-huh. It currently has 77 positive reviews, three negative reviews. I'll go look at the negative reviews. The air conditioners failed. I didn't get my room service in time. There was response from the hotel. I'm sorry, we don't provide room service. And then the other one-star one that was there said it was too cold. It was supposed to be August. I don't want to be in San Francisco during the summer. R. Twain. R. Twain. Hmm. Well, I was going to say that first one is obviously, it proves it's not San Francisco because... Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Who cares? Interesting. I'll... I'll just do like a quick scroll through of, of the positive reviews. Not not like landing on anything in particular, just getting the general tenor of them. They liked the decor. The bed was comfy. The price was right. The air conditioning was powerful. Um, even though it was an in-wall unit, somebody makes a comment about the art. Uh, another person makes a comment about the, the wonderful fresh air and the fresh cut flowers and uh, trees. The fresh cut trees. You read that right, yeah. Fresh cut trees. I'll look at the date of it and see if it's around like Christmas. It's dated 1995, and it was in August. Hmm. Okay. An online review from 1995? Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. I have a lot of questions about all of this, but, you know, um... What time is it, approximately? Ron will glance down at her watch. It is about 5, 5.30. Oh, wow. Time flew. Yeah. Traffic was a little bit of a, of a pain to get across town. And the show is when, when again? Seven. Seven. Well, we should grab something to eat, because I have no idea what we're about to encounter, and I'd like to not encounter it on an empty stomach. And a cup of delicious coffee. Boy, howdy, if only we could get to a market. <laughs> Reagan squints, looking around very carefully. There is a bodega across the street. Further down the street, though, you see that there is a fine establishment. It's a jazz club. It has, And you see that they do have a menu listed on the outside of the pillars by the door. Does it look busy? Do we think we could, like, sit and eat and have enough time to get to the show? You think that you would be able to do so. They seem to be hustling inside. It's not as though that they're not busy. They certainly do appear to be busy, but you're not seeing folks. You see some folks kind of go in and and come out. All right. Well, shall we? Sure. Sounds good to me. Yeah. There's live jazz music being played, and you're you're seated a bit of a distance away from the band. Uh, you get the menus, and the menus are a bit pricey, and the food is a little bit fancy here, but. Some of you have very large bank accounts. 
Well, one of you has a very large bank account, and the others uh, also have some uh, company cards that they might be able to use. Discretionary uh, spending. Yes. And they go from everything from Wagyu burgers to vegetarian curry, you know, to uh, small little plates of beef and tuna tartare. It seems as though that uh, their primary way of uh, making money is booze and cocktails. I never understood it. If you're going to shell out for Wagyu, why put it in a burger? Yeah, I've never quite understood that either. I'll get something relatively light, like a salad. Salad with tuna on it. Ross goes ahead and does order a burger. Oh, they very stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I think Reagan's gonna get in on the salad action with some chicken or something. Oh, I think River will get a curry. The food comes out fairly quickly and it is very, very tasty. The crowd is, is bustling and this is a nice place. It's kind of like, ooh, I kind of want to bring my, you know, bring friends here someday. Assuming it's here when we come back. What do you mean? This is a perfectly ordinary jazz club. Is this one on Google Maps? <laughs> yeah, it's actually called Black Cat. Okay, great. It's fine. It'll be here. Yes, this place does appear on Google Maps and has tons of positive reviews. And a fair amount of negative reviews, but mostly whiny, entitled people type things. Why is it expensive? You finish your food and you head out and you head back toward the theater. When you arrive at the theater, there is a small line waiting to get in. The queue is maybe about 10 or 15 people deep, so not very long. And it seems like it's moving fairly slowly. We'll go uh, join the queue. You make it to the door and a man with long blonde hair pulled into a ponytail. Awfully familiar looking to everyone, but you can't place him. You're not sure why. He asked for ID and for the cover, which is at this time, they only want $10 for the cover. Rowan will pull out two 20s and cover her group. Okay. $10? Wow, what year is this? <laughs> he smiles at that comment. And uh, remember, there's a two-drink minimum. And the bar is over there. Duly noted. Thank you. You know, let's have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Laugh. Please. Please. Are you performing? No, no, no. I just worked the door. This isn't the person that you talked to earlier, is it? Now that you think about it, yeah, that is. When he says that that second please, do I get any sense of, like, desperation or anything off of that? Or is that just the usual, like, banter of a, of a theater person? Kind of the banter of a theater person. He's trying to be funny. And it's not landing well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. And make our way inside. What's the place look like in here? So the main lobby is... It's, it's a wide lobby, and there is a bar to the left with a pretty well-stocked bar behind it. There is a black drape over what looks to be maybe a mirror or a painting behind the, the bar. The bar itself is finely made wood. Uh, it looks as though that it, at one time it was pretty high 
like a high standard bar. Um, has seen better days, but looks like it's been recently uh, oiled and uh, uh, taken care of. But it it could use maybe a new refurnishing. There are people, you know, milling about the bar, getting drinks. It's a a younger crowd. Um, it's skewing. Well, I would say it's maybe middle aged crowd. It's skewing, you know, late twenties to early fifties. It looks as though that they are San Francisco. I don't want to necessarily call them hipsters, but there's a fair amount of them there. But there, there is certainly a, a lean toward uh, art community and um, San Francisco locals, people that have moved to San Francisco. And then beyond that, there is a you see that there are steps that lead up to the balcony on the wings that go up both sides. They're currently roped off with a red velvet rope. And uh, there is a center door that leads into the theater main itself. That's covered in a black drape. Looks like they've got two of them, almost like an antechamber type of thing. Uh, Ross is going to kind of look around. What do you think we should split up, get a sense of the crowd? Um, or does anyone, does someone want to look around? I don't know. Yeah, I think, um, what time is it now approximately? Like how long do we have? Is the house currently closed? The house is currently closed, yes. Okay. Yeah, let's have a look around out here. Don't necessarily have to split up, but we can mingle. You notice the floor is, it's a hexagon mosaic tile. And it's old work, probably, you know, early 1900s. And near, I would say, roughly off-center of the house door, by about 15% to the right, all of the tiles are a maroon red. And it looks as though that if you polish them, they might be clear. You also notice that there are yellow tiles that form lines and kind of move off almost as though that they are like vines that head off to the wings, to the stairs that lead up and some that lead into the main house itself. They're, they're fairly faint. The crowd that's in here, they're talking to their own little cliques and their, their own friends. Nobody seems to be like welcoming and, you know, looking at bringing on new new friends or new people at this time. You don't have anybody that's going out of their way to try to meet folks. Before we like go in different directions, Rome will look at everyone and be like, I don't know what the rules are for interdimensional stuff. So treat it like the Fae. Don't eat or drink anything. Oh, don't worry. I assumed I wouldn't have to tell you that, but I'm underlining it for all of us. But there's a two-drink minimum. Buy the drinks and pour them down the drain. Got it. I am taking no chances with this kind of stuff. I want to see if I can get, like, up enough on something so that I can see the lines and maybe get a picture of them with my phone, because that that intrigues me. I want to, I want to, I want to get a picture of the floor of the lobby if I can. Okay. You can hop up onto one of the concrete-style planters that are there. There is just solid packed dirt and no plant in the planters. At one time, this place would have been pretty sharp, pretty fancy. So you pick your phone up and you uh, give a click and a couple. Maybe you could use an AI programming to, to remove some of the people from a couple of the pictures if you like. You're not high enough up to get a perfect picture of the floor. You get some areas, though. Okay. 
I'll use my slightly elevated position to like look out over everything and just get the get the lay of the land, get the lay of the people. Okay. No, nothing really strikes you, people-wise. It looks as though the areas that are off limits are the wings that lead up. You think that there are pathways that lead around near the outside, almost as though it's exit house left and exit house right, but you would assume that they are there. It is safe for you to not discount their existence. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can't see them, but I can assume that they're there based on the layout. Okay. Uh, Ross is going to just kind of walk up to a couple people and just start up a casual conversation before the show starts, try to get a sense of where they're from, how they heard about the show, just kind of the vibe. The the folks are there. You know what? We have dice rolls for these things. What? What? Oh my god, are we playing a game? Kinda. Hmm. Huh. Don't let anyone else know that. Aye, aye, Captain. Go ahead and give me a human troll. All right. That's an 82, so that's a fail out of 45. Okay. It seems as though that when you try to take up conversation, people just kind of like nod and don't engage and kind of turn their back and they shelter in on their own little clicks even harder. Do they answer me at all or is it just like non-answers? A couple of them give you side eye and it's so close to being bombastic it's palpable. Like, how dare you talk to me? You try again with another group, and it's the same thing, and they're even dressed like young professionals. You might have lost your touch there, Ross. I want to go up to the bar and order a drink and try to chat with the bartender. The bartender, uh, she looks at you, and what can I do for you? What do you What do you want? What do you want to drink? Oh, give me something light and fruity. Light and fruity. All right, I got something for you. She makes up something fancy in a martini-style glass, and it bubbles a little bit with a small piece of fruit that you're not sure what kind of fruit it is. And it's got a very vibrant, yet inviting yellow, almost like it's a citrus. She has a name tag on. What is her name? It's spelled Y-S-O-N-D-E. That's an unusual name. Is is it Isond? Isondi. Isondi. Okay. Thank you. Um, And River will take the drink up, touch it to his lips, but not drink, and take a sniff. That's tasty. What is this fruit? It smells citrusy. Oh, it's it's uh, it's Ye Lao. Um, I call that the maker of the moons. Oh, is that something we've heard of before? No. The maker of the what, please? Oh, the maker of the moons. It is an Aperol spritz with a little bit of the Ye Lao in there, and uh, then I, I finish it off with a uh, flavored seltzer. Nice. So so how often do you have shows here? Oh, we we try to have shows here, uh, you know, every couple days on the weekends, and, you know, also during the summers, uh, you know, a couple times a week, especially if we can get a play in here. But open mics are usually... You know, especially this time of week, it's, uh, you know, every other day or so, sometimes more on the weekends. How, how do you advertise them? You don't seem to have much of a social media presence. Oh, we're good. Word of mouth. We've got it. We've got a strong crew that keeps coming through here. Uh, how'd you hear about us? 
Um, friend of a friend. That's how it works. We got you here, didn't we? I guess you did. That'll be 1850. Okay. I will give her a generous tip. So, so, uh, you can tell me who's the big headliner tonight. Oh, I can't. I, I really can't. Why not? You're supposed to advertise this sort of thing. It's the whole point of having a headliner, right? It is, but, you know, it. there's a shadow of truth in this foundation that we have to kind of keep it quiet. But don't worry, you'll enjoy yourself. Shadow of truth? That's, uh, you a philosophy major? Uh, no. Never did college, sorry. Oh. Tried to get into the tried to get in theater right off, but you know what? Probably should have went to college. Would, would have gotten more college, more uh, more theater experience. But that's okay. Sticking true to the art, and now I'm slinging drinks. Yeah. Well, whatever works for you. It's okay. Well, uh, you have a good evening. You too. Now, you head back to the rest of Arsa with your your drink in hand. Someone stands at the curtain to the house. All right, folks. Head on in. Uh, it is open seating. Uh, try not to uh, rush over and, and knock over each other. We should have enough room for everybody. We don't have to squeeze in too tight tonight. And as I join the group, I say, well, uh, now I know why the cover is so cheap. What did you get? That looks good. It's, um, I have no idea what it is. It smells good, but, you know. Okie dokie. Well, don't drink it. Uh, I'm gonna go get us some stuff. BRB. Reagan heads up to the bar and orders, uh, two big buttery Chardonnays. She has a very large magnum-sized bottle that she's pouring from, and you recognize it as from one of your favorite Napa vineyards. That looks, uh, absolutely perfect. She pours fairly heavy, and the cost is 15 per glass. And considering the volume, it's not a bad price. She just kind of, like, takes the, you know, leaves a decent tip and just kind of, like, swirls one of the glasses. She's like, oh, I just love it when it's such a rich, bold color like this. She indicates the, like, very goldeny yellow color of this wine. She smiles at you. It's, it's a good one. Glad you liked it. Glad we've got some folks that have uh, a little bit of taste here. At least it's not the, uh... Oh, yep, I'll get you your Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh, you want it in a glass. Of course you do. <laughs> Regan openly laughs. She pulls out the can and then pours it, and it seems as though that the yellow seems to glow underneath the soft lights here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reagan gives her a, a, a little wink and is like, you have a nice night. You too. And she smiles at you and goes about doing her job. Ross will go up shortly after and order a couple gin and tonics. Uh, she points top shelf, middle shelf, or, or, or down below. A bottom shelf is fine. She gives you a thumbs up, pours them, and they're still pretty expensive. They're still about $10, $15, $12 a glass. Pay for it and then walk away with them, okay. looking for a trash can or a or a bathroom or something. You do see that there is a bathroom. You do not see any trash cans, though. I will wait for an opportune time to go and empty the drinks. Okay. Won't do it right away because that's <laughs> looks really suspicious. 
So are you guys heading into the main, uh, into the theater itself? I'll look over at River and say, uh, save me a seat. I want to try to get the entire floor without as many people. I want to try, actually try to like, get up a little bit higher, like not onto the steps, but up high enough that I can like hold my arms up over my head and pray. Okay. You do, and you hold your arms up, and you see the blonde-haired guy. Uh, hey, everybody's getting ready for seating. Oh, the floor's fantastic, isn't it? The floor's amazing. I, I'm sorry. I have I have an interest in uh, uh, old San Francisco architecture, and I haven't ever seen anything like this. This is so cool. Pretty neat. Yeah. Haven't had anybody come in and take pictures in a long time. You should check out the ceiling. Blink, and against my better judgment, <laughs> uh, look up at the ceiling. You see, there is a antique chandelier. And above the chandelier, you see that there is a tin spiral across the ceiling. Very fine, very nice tin work. Oh, that's beautiful. Now I'll tip my phone up and try to get as much of the ceiling as I can in a picture. Absolutely gorgeous. The, the chandelier looks like it's made from uh, wrought iron. The crystal itself is kind of dirty and dusty. They haven't cleaned this thing in a long time. And the light bulbs are not on on the chandelier. Uh, looks like the wiring for it is there, like it was put in after the chandelier was made. Sure. It's one of a uh, refitted one. That makes sense. You look down at your phone and you see that there are different shapes in the hexagons besides that red area and these yellow pathways. You notice there's a couple areas that are large and blue. There's a few that are the mosaics themselves are checkerboard themselves on the tile near one of the large blue areas. You might think this looks like a map. Does it look like any map that of anywhere that I have seen before? Or does it remind me of anything? No. Okay. I will quickly flip through the pictures to make sure that they're actually there and not corrupted because it's been a couple years, but I'm scarred. They are still there. Okay. I'll pocket my phone and give the, the blonde man just this the, the most beaming, radiant smile. This is absolutely incredible. Sorry to sorry to hold things up. No worries, no worries, none at all. Um, you know, we hope that you uh, hope that you enjoy it. You know, across the uh, the seven oceans and the river, which is, you know, could be longer from the earth to the moon. Do we love when people take interest in our things? Yeah. That's a really great way of putting it. He smiles at you and um, he motions to the, the drapery. River, you sit down and uh, save seats for Ross and Reagan who follow shortly behind. Where are you saving the seats? You could get right up front if you want. Oh, I think I will get near the front, but uh, a few rows back. Okay, so maybe like third row, fourth row? Fourth row. Okay. As I'm getting my in my seat, just automatically, because it's a theater, I get my phone out to uh, mute it, and then I think and check to see if I have any bars. You do. You don't have the greatest signal in here, but you're still operating on pretty good signal. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting data point. But it does drop, which isn't uncommon in some of these older buildings, some of these, you know, thickly made older buildings. But then again, where are you? So 
I'm in a theater. Yeah. The MC comes up and she's dressed in a smart gray jacket with a red bow tie. She delivers a couple minutes of stand up and for the most part, it's okay. She calls up the first act and the first act does a five minute stand up routine and it does not hit at all. The crowd is quiet and they're up there and they're, they're trying. He's not stumbling. He's going through his material and then heads off, leaving you with this weird, like a weird sense that you saw him fail. The MC comes up, does a little bit more, and then a second act comes up. They do about 15 minutes or so, and it is not funny. It's very heavily philosophical based and observance, but not even something that you can identify with. And their words after they say them, when you try to maybe think maybe this is too smart for your own good, because sometimes comedy could get like that. You don't remember what they said. And it's almost cringy. The fourth act comes up. A fifth act comes up. Seventh act comes up. And it's all kind of the same. You realize that it's almost a droning where you feel as though it's near painful. The rest of the crowd isn't even laughing. Then C comes up. All right, we're getting ready for our headliner. Want everybody uh, give a loud, 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 loud round of applause. And this is going to be fantastic. When she steps off of the stage, behind her, the fabric opens up like an iris, like an aperture, and a spotlight hits. And from the darkness stepping onto the main part of the stage, you see a man dressed in a black suit. But you notice the man's head is a television monitor, like a 40 inch flat screen monitor. He walks forward and puts both hands onto the mic stand. He turns his head as he's regarding the crowd. And you realize this is not a mask. It's too thin. The screen comes on and static is being played. And you begin to see black and white images of old TV shows and movies. You're not sure what they are because after every five or six seconds, it's almost as though the channel switches. And each time the channel switches, the crowd reacts and it laughs. and laughs again. <laughs> Everybody give me a sanity roll. Starting with Reagan, what did you roll? 58 on an 84. Excellent. You are uh, 
If you're more confused processing things, Ross, what did you get? A 52 out of 50. Roll 1d4 for me. Two. Okay, so you're going to suffer two points of sanity damage. I'm going to push it off to a bond. What bond are you going to push it off to? Uh, Baz. Okay. And then, yes, the two willpower loss. And Agent Rowan? Uh, 50 out of 65. All right. You're also confused. Something's not right. You notice that both yourself and Reagan, your heads are kind of tilted at the same angle and frequency. River. Uh, 93 out of 57. Go ahead and roll 1d4 for me, please. A three. Okay, so you're going to suffer three points of sanity loss. Yeah. Did you wish to push that off, or did you just want to eat it? Oh, I'm pondering that. I think I'm going to push that onto Rowan. I'll push two of that onto Rowan. Okay. Rowan and Reagan, you recognize that the laughter sounds like a laugh track. And each time the crowd reacts, it's the same. River and Ross, you're not feeling comfortable here. There's something, this is just, this is not right. His head, there's no way his head could fit in there. Ross is just telling himself, it's just a mask. Even if part of him knows it's not. When you say it's just a mask, you look around and you see every other member other than yourselves wearing white masquerade masks without mouths. River, you see these as well. As you're beginning to look around a little bit more frantic, Rowan, Regan, you see that your compatriots here, your comrades, your members of Arso, are freaking out a little bit, man. I'm going to reach over and put my hand on River's arm and lean a little bit sideways, not turning my face away from the stage because I don't want to take my eyes off of this. I'm too concerned, but try to say quietly, Whatever it is that you're seeing, we'll get through it. And River, you really don't believe her as much right now. That two-point in bond loss is kind of, you know, that could be powerful. You notice that the fabric opens up in the back just a little bit, and two men walk in and you catch a little bit of their silhouette because everything is shining forward, but there's some light from behind. The thing that stands out most is one of the men has bright orange hair. They're both carrying drinks, one in each hand. When you see that, everyone notices the comedian up on stage fall forward onto his hands and knees, and he picks up his head and the monitor and it's facing you. And it seems as though that his back begins to jerk and push forward and he seems to be in pain. There's crackling on the screen as their static gets louder and louder. And then the screen bursts open and a very emaciated man 
dressed in nothing, very skinny. You could see the bones in his shoulder, his gnarled hands and his ribs, and his very gaunt face with his head just slightly elongated. It looks like his nose, the cartilage on his nose has given way. Pours from the screen onto the floor. And the comedian falls flat prone. Whatever came out of the screen starts to stand. What is everyone doing? I want to look around and see how the crowd is responding to this. You notice they're all sitting there, very placid, wearing white masks with no mouths. Reagan has taken Ross's hand and is telling them to focus on her. Should we help this guy? I don't know if we can. Look at him. He's starving. It's something tells me that this is whatever's going on here. We're the only ones out of the loop. Ross is like trying just to kind of look, not look at anything right now. He stands up to height and he's not very tall. And as soon as he gets to height, he hunches over and his shoulders almost fold in together where they're almost touching in front of him and his arms are hanging low. He then bolts for the door and moves quickly. He's running, but also loping, if you will, using his hands and his legs. It's very simian, almost ape-like. And he gets to the fabric and blows through the two gentlemen that are there. And you're, whoa, easy there, bud. As it heads out into the lobby. I'm gonna chase him. Okay. I'm going to follow River. I would like you guys to both give me an athletics roll. Uh, that is a 24 out of 52. Okay. 89 out of 31. Okay. River, you scramble and end up tripping over some of the folks. And they're like, hey, relax. You make it out the door. Ron blows through the curtain into the lobby. You see the blonde guy that's standing at the door looking outside. And this guy has already gone out the front door. He's turned south, running at a hell of a clip. Are you chasing him out of the building up the road? I'll follow him a little ways, a few blocks, and assess where I am. He starts to take to climbing the hills of San Francisco at a speed that you cannot match. I mean, even if it's for a little bit, it's only a mile. It can't be that far and too high of a hill. But he hauls ass. And you lose sight of him in the dark. Even though you've got some great vision, he's just put distance between you and him. After a minute or two, Ross will start making his way towards the lobby, presumably with Reagan. Everyone starts to stand up as well, and the MC is back up on stage. You see people dressed in black with black masks, like very ninja stage kitten style dragging the comedian behind the aperture. And as soon as he clears it, the aperture closes. And the MC, thanks everyone. Thank you for coming out tonight. Hope everyone has a good time. We're gonna be doing this again in two days. Everyone drive home safe or call a uh, rideshare company of your choice. Is the audience still wearing masks? No. Reagan, you see the, the guys that you met earlier today, Morum and Legendary are the guys with the drinks. They like had their way over and Morum, I'm sorry, we, we're late. Uh, 
it was hard finding this place, but we went around the block a couple times and it just popped up just a few minutes ago, so but glad we were able to find it. Oh, you missed it. Uh, we did. We just missed it until the end. Wow. That was uh, that was something, wasn't it? You, you saw that guy running? Yeah, we saw the guy running. He hit us. I mean, he knocked over one of my drinks. I mean, it was an orange dream sickle. Man. And Legendary puts his arm around him. That's okay. You don't need to drink anymore tonight. Uh, yeah, it was actually, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe an avant-garde thing going on. I didn't quite understand. But, e- yeah, it was a strange experience. I don't think I would describe it as stand-up. Ooh, that's brutal, man. No, I mean, that's what you get. You know, it was uh, it was one of those open mics where it's really just a really open field. Um, so maybe not maybe not the best uh, lineup. People are milling and leaving the theater. You check your watches. It's close to midnight. Oh, wow. We should probably get going soon. Um, I'm looking. I look around for Rowan. You don't see her. Rowan, when you gave up a couple blocks away and you're walking back? Yeah, I gave it about three blocks before I was like, I cannot keep up with this guy. I do want to try to note the general direction that he's going and anything that is like directly in his path. (laughs) I mean, anything of interest, like Quake Tower or, you know, any of the like landmarks type of things. Dolores Park. Okay. But yeah, I will have given up after a few blocks, recognizing that I'm fast. This guy is like superhuman fast and come walking back, hands shoved in my pockets, very annoyed. Get him? Oh, God, no, not even close. What was that? A person? Maybe? But, I mean, did you see the way that they ran? Yeah, it was weirdest thing. I mean, it came out of the guy with the TV for a head. Um, yeah. Okay, so you all saw the guy with the TV for a head. Y- yes. And, and and not just, you know, a t- guy with a prop TV on his head, a guy with an actual TV that was his actual head. I mean, I would have thought that it might be a mask, but it, it was a flat screen. That's too thin for a head to be in. So, Yeah. Unless it's someone who was uh, short and had the television on top of their head, but when they fell over like that, it would have fallen. So do we need to FBI them and investigate backstage, or can we get the hell out of here? We don't know enough to know what we're walking into. I think that we leave for tonight. Thank you. When you turn around to look at the theater... As soon as Morum and Legendary step out, the theater door is replaced by a grate that says Princess Market. So we, we see it change? Ish, in the dark, it seems to have shifted to something else. Looking at it, when it changed, is it, is it like it has always been like that? Or do we see like the holographic card effect type of thing when it shifts? Or... It looks like it's always been that way. I'm going to pull up my phone and look at those photos that I took. They're still there. The geotags on them say Carcosa.
I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Ross. I'm Christy Bauer, and I play Reagan. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dream Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 7 is an adaptation written by me, Dan Voshkevich, based on the Fragments of the King chapters written by John Wick, Toby Abad, Fabian Badia, Ben Warner, and Rob Justice. Our intros this season were written by Alondra Heilman and performed by Grant Corvin. If you like our story, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episode, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Stephen Schwartz, Danny, Tom Padula, Kit Thompson, Lady Bedeville, Heather Ney, Jen Obertaz, Bomb Clancy, Naya Fenris, Shrek Manning, Red Dead Coquette, Ginger Fury, Dr. Christian Lehman, Devils, Robbie Nowell, J. Matthews 85, Flynn Gallagher, Phoenix Team Handler Dennis, Knitting Daddy Greg, Multicam Yeti, Scott Miller, Rogue, Jacqueline Parrish, and Monsieur Quack. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all the usual social media sites. Also, check out our website, www.theredactedreportspodcast.com. All of our handouts are archived there, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to Agent Harker through the contact form there. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Ren Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube channel a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis and have a bunch of content archived on their YouTube channel. Additional undercurrent music, Rowan Rising, was composed and orchestrated by Alan Strickland, A-L-L-E-N. You can find him at alanstrickland.net for his classical compositions. Join us next week. In the sins of the father, retribution comes due. Beryl's spall dwindle to anxious supply and we face a threat with such a human goal we cannot succumb lest it gluttonizes us from within and without.